Brandon Lawson went missing shortly after he made one of the most cryptic 911 calls ever placed. No one has been able to interpret the 911 call fully, and today it remains a mysterious piece of a tragic puzzle. Brandon Lawson has never been seen or heard from since, and today his case remains a mystery, with many speculating what actually happened that fateful night. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 2, Episode 4, The Disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Brandon Lawson was a 26-year-old man from San Angelo, Texas. He was an oil field worker and father of four children, and he also had a common-law wife named Ladessa Lofton. He is described as being 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighing approximately 230 pounds. He was a Caucasian male with brown hair and blue eyes. Lawson has multiple tattoos on his arms and has a scar on his chin and left knee, and one of his ears is pierced. At the time of his disappearance, Lawson was wearing a yellow shirt, camouflage print shorts, and white 2013 Air Max shoes. The last time anyone had seen Brandon was on August 8, 2013, in San Angelo, Texas. He and his longtime girlfriend got into an argument which led to Brandon leaving the home at around 11.54 p.m. with the intentions of going to his father's residence. Approximately 45 minutes later, Brandon called his brother Kyle to tell him that he had run out of gas. What is known is that following his phone call to his brother Kyle, something mysterious happened to Brandon and he phoned 911 and advised the dispatcher that he was in a field and needed help and that he needed police. Take a listen to the unedited version of the 911 call. Another call was made to 911 by a trucker passing by and in regards to Brandon's truck parked crooked on the side of the road and posing a possible hazard. This recording, however, has never been released to the public. Kyle and his girlfriend Audrey went out to bring Brandon their gas can. Kyle then phoned Ladessa to tell her that Brandon ran out of gas and he needed their gas can and Ladessa told him she would leave it on the porch as she was going to have a shower and heading to bed. Kyle said he could not fill up the gas can himself because his work check had not cleared, 
but thought if he could at least get the empty can to Brandon, they could drive out to the nearest gas station and Brandon would pay for the gas and they would drive back and fill up the empty truck. The truck was located on US Highway 227, four and a half miles south of Bronte, Texas, and close to a rest stop, and it was parked haphazardly. By the time Kyle arrived at 1.10 a.m. August 9th, 2013, there was no sign of Brandon. There was also a sheriff's deputy that arrived at the truck about the same time as Kyle and Audrey. There was no visible damage to Brandon's truck and his keys and his cell phone were missing. It is understood that the deputy nor Kyle were aware that Brandon had already phoned 911 asking for a cop, as well as stating, please hurry. While talking with the deputy, Kyle received a call from Brandon in which Brandon's cell was going in and out and he was hard to understand. Brandon claimed that he was 10 minutes up the road. He also mentioned that he was bleeding. The phone went dead at this point. Kyle understood him saying, I'm in the field, and Kyle felt maybe Brandon was hiding in the field due to an outstanding warrant from two years ago that Brandon himself just learned and was going to address it the following week. So Kyle did not tell the deputy that Brandon was on the phone. Had Kyle known Brandon phoned 911, he probably would have never assumed his brother was hiding. It was also confirmed later that the gas tank was in fact empty. His cell phone was a Motorola Droid Razor, but cell phone reception in that area was spotty. There was an extensive search of the area which turned up no sign of Brandon. However, he has never been heard from again. Lawson's family were unaware that he called 911 that night and only found out when they viewed his cellular phone records weeks later. At around 1.18 a.m., Audrey sent Brandon a text saying, a cop is at your truck. It is assumed that she did this to warn Brandon. At this time, they were not aware that he himself phoned 911 asking for a cop and to please hurry. In statements given to police, as explained by the family, They did admit Brandon's earlier call to them in which he told his brother and Audrey that he was 10 minutes up the road and was bleeding. This was also not reported to Deputy Neal, who was at the scene. It is also understood that Deputy Neal did not report to Kyle and that Brandon phoned 911. It's still unclear if Deputy Neal even knew if Brandon had called 911 at this time. From all media reports written by the Observer Enterprise, which happens to be owned by the sheriff and his wife, that 911 call was only reported as, quote, a stranded motorist who ran out of gas, end quote. There was no mention of the urgency, nor any mention of the phrase, I ran into them, as understood by the dispatcher. The deputy then put emergency flashers on the truck, locked it, and left the scene arranging for a tow in the morning. According to reports, the deputy did drive up and down the highway to see if he could spot Brandon walking. Kyle and his girlfriend left the empty gas can in the bed of the truck thinking if Brandon came back he would at least have the can and could retrieve gas. They began to look for him also. It was the following morning and there was still no sign of Brandon. Kyle's money was now available in his account so he went back to the truck and filled the can and returned it to the truck. At this point, he was now starting to become concerned and felt that Brandon may not have been hiding and maybe he was in trouble. In talking with investigators, 
He now gave them the full account of Brandon being on the phone at the time the deputy was at the truck. It wasn't known by Brandon's family that he called 911 until Brandon's common-law wife, Ledessa, saw it on an itemized phone transcript provided by law enforcement that the 911 call was ever made. There has been no activity on Brandon's bank accounts or his cell phone since that time. An extensive search was conducted by Professional Search and Rescue on October 24, 2013, around the area of the abandoned truck. Brandon's family doesn't believe that his outstanding felony warrant is connected to his disappearance, and they also believe that he would not have run from the police because of it. He worked in the oil industry at the time of his disappearance and left behind four children, three with his girlfriend and one from a prior relationship. Although investigators have stated there's no evidence of foul play in his case, his family stated it's uncharacteristic of him to leave without warning, and they're afraid for his safety. He is classified as an involuntarily missing person, and his case remains unsolved. Over the years, false information has been put out in the media by the Observer Enterprise, which is run by Mrs. McCutcheon, the wife of Sheriff McCutcheon. Here are just a few examples. They quote, Law enforcement concludes man not in Coke County. The statement is ridiculous. Just because Brandon hasn't been found yet does not mean that he is somehow no longer in the county. However, this does bring about suspicion that the reporting newspaper has inside knowledge that Brandon may no longer be in the county. In another statement, information is completely left out. Quote, Members of Texas Search and Rescue and various law enforcement agencies began arriving last Wednesday evening for Thursday's massive search for Brandon Lawson. This latest search stems from an incident which occurred just before 1 a.m. Friday, August 9, 2013. It began with a 911 call about a stranded motorist just south of Bronte on Highway 277. End quote. She fails to mention that the particular 911 call was made by a passing motorist, a trucker who thought that Brandon's truck was parked unsafe on the street. It continues, quote, the driver was not at the vehicle when Chief Deputy Brandon Neal arrived just after 1 a.m. However, at this time, investigation has revealed that Brandon Lawson was hiding in the bush due to an outstanding felony warrant, watching Deputy Neal while speaking to his brother Kyle Lawson on his cell phone, end quote. Here's the problem with this statement. Brandon called 911 and requested help. Why would he then go into the woods and hide when they showed up? This statement makes zero sense. Here's yet another example. Quote, According to Ledessa Lofton, no one has heard from Lawson since this time. The Coke County Sheriff's Office, in conjunction with DPS and the Texas Rangers, had already conducted an aerial search and a ground grid search without revealing any clues to his whereabouts. While aerial searches are good to locate someone who is alive, They are absolutely useless in trying to find someone who is no longer alive since the infrared technology will only pick up heat signals and someone who is no longer alive won't emit any heat. And here's another one. Quote, Following a conversation with Sheriff McCutcheon and Ranger Nick Hanna, 
The investigation will turn elsewhere and will not include any further searches unless new detailed information arises, end quote. The problem with this statement is that Sheriff McCutcheon was provided cell phone ping information, which puts the phone approximately three miles away from where the truck was located and in an area that has yet to be searched. There is speculation that Brandon was not alone and had his phone on speaker so that a second party could hear. It is also speculated that the original 911 was tampered with and edited before it was released to the family and the public. The released 911 call has some clues. Everyone interprets the words and the sounds differently. Some people hear a second voice on the 911 call, and others hear gunshots in the distance before the call has ended. In this first clip, Brandon Lawson says something like, Yes, I'm in the middle of a field. A stater just pulled some guys over. A stater could reference perhaps a state trooper. However, according to logs, no state trooper was out there that night. Let's have a listen to this portion of the 911 call. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the field. A state trooper just threw some guys over. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the field. A state trooper just threw some guys over. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the field. A state trooper just threw some guys over. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the field. A state trooper just threw some guys over. 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 A here again is the entire 911 clip, but it slowed down significantly, hopefully to bring more clarity to the words. 's run down the complete timeline of what we know so far. So it's Thursday, August 8th, 2013. Approximately 10:45 to 11 p.m. Brandon has an argument with his girlfriend, Ladessa. He is described as being, quote, in panic mode and had a confused state of mind. 11:54 p.m. Brandon leaves the house. He has his keys, wallet, and cell phone. It is reported that Brandon phoned his father and was headed to his father's residence in Fort Worth, Texas. Friday, August 9th, 2013. At 12.10 a.m., Kyle, 
Brandon's brother, checks on Ladessa at the house after she had called Brandon's family and was concerned. Kyle then left. Around 12.30 a.m., Brandon calls Kyle to say he has run out of gas. Kyle and his girlfriend Audrey call Ladessa to let her know that Brandon has run out of gas. They go back by Ladessa and Brandon's home and pick up an empty gas can to take to pick up Brandon. At 12.34, 12.36, and 12.48 a.m., Ladessa misses three phone calls from Brandon. He does not leave any voicemails. 12.50 a.m., Brandon calls 911, speaking quickly and unintelligently. He clearly says that he has run out of gas and makes it sound like something else is happening, ending the call with the clear, I need the cops, comment. At 12.58, the Coke County Sheriff's Office receives a call that a vehicle was parked on the side of the highway and was posing a risk to oncoming traffic. At 1.18 a.m., Kyle and Audrey called Brandon to find out the exact location of the truck. They said it sounded like he was running through brush, and Kyle heard Brandon say that he was 10 minutes up the road and to just hurry up and get there. At some point, Audrey also talks to him on the phone and could distinguish him saying, Audrey, I'm fucking bleeding. They eventually lose the signal completely, or Brandon hangs up. At this point, Kyle and Audrey are at Brandon's truck, which is abandoned and undamaged. A police officer arrives at the truck from the other direction at the same time. The police officer approaches and asks if Kyle was the one who made the call about the vehicle. Kyle says the truck is owned by his brother, who must have stepped away. Shortly after this, the officer leaves the scene and proceeds to drive around looking for Brandon, who he assumes is walking to perhaps get gas. But note, the police officer does not mention Brandon's 911 call requesting police, and Kyle does not mention Brandon's phone call saying he was bleeding. Kyle and the police officer also came from different directions on the same road, and yet neither see Brandon or anything suspicious. Since the cellular connection is so bad, Kyle and Audrey then try to text Brandon. They go farther up the road looking for him, and Audrey sends him a text saying, a cop is at your truck, as a warning due to his outstanding warrant. They assume that Brandon is hiding out in the bushes someplace because of the police officer, and perhaps he is bleeding from scratches from the bushes. They expect him to re-emerge after the police officer is gone. But approximately 1.30 to 4.30 a.m., Kyle continues to drive up and down the highway, yelling out to and trying to find Brandon. He has previously claimed that a few of his co-workers helped him, but was not detailed about the depth of their search and whether or not they got out of their vehicles. At about 3.30 a.m., Kyle reports that Brandon's cell phone stopped ringing, and it seems as though it has been turned off or the battery died. At 4.30 a.m., Kyle calls Ladessa and says he's found Brandon's truck, but he cannot find Brandon anywhere. At 5 a.m., Ladessa calls the police station regarding the abandoned truck and to see if they had any information about Brandon. At 7 a.m., Kyle puts gas in Brandon's truck in case he returns. At 8.30 a.m., the sheriff's department has Brandon's truck towed away. The Coke County Sheriff's Department is the agency responsible for investigating Brandon's disappearance. And interestingly enough, the local newspaper, the Observer Enterprise, is owned by Melinda McCutcheon and Sheriff Wayne McCutcheon. Melinda McCutcheon, in all the reporting and online posts, 
seem to have been continuously suggesting that Brandon either staged his disappearance or was under the heavy influence of drugs and alcohol, or both. Yet she does this without producing or referring to any legitimate proof of either circumstance. After Kyle admitted to speaking with Brandon on the phone, the Coke County Observer Enterprise consistently reported that Brandon had been hiding in the bush from the officer, even though that was only Kyle's initial assumption, and it's never been proven. Melinda is also quoted as saying, Let's just say publicly, I was told Brandon couldn't have gone more than 100 yards in his condition, end quote. However, it is extremely unclear who told Melinda this, or how anyone would have known of Brandon's condition during his disappearance, since no one admits to actually seeing him after he left his house that night. Melinda also published articles and posts with leading titles like, quote, Law Enforcement Concludes Man Not in Coke County, end quote, and, quote, Missing Man No Longer in Coke County. How would she know this? Where's her proof that the man is no longer in Coke County, either dead or alive? The Observer Enterprise also published a post with obvious bias, aggressively claiming the following, quote, In conclusion, there were many poor decisions made that night and during the next few days. However, they weren't made by the Coke County Sheriff's Office, end quote. The above statement was made on October 2nd, 2013, less than two months after Brandon disappeared. It is unclear whether there are unreleased facts which substantiate Melinda's reports further, or if she is just trying to vindicate her husband's department initial lack of assistance by disparaging the victim. Some have suggested that her biased reporting substantiates claims of police collusion and potential involvement in Brandon's disappearance. Several sections of land around this disappearance have been searched with nothing found. Over 2,500 acres of rough terrain has been searched by ground and air as well as the use of cadaver dogs, and no evidence has turned up. A fairly popular theory is that Brandon encountered some kind of terrible situation on the highway. Some have raised the possibility of police involvement. However, this does not necessarily mean that authorities are responsible for Brandon's disappearance. He could have encountered something else entirely, which was then mishandled or not thoroughly investigated by police. There is speculation that the haphazard way Brandon's truck was parked indicates a more complex situation. Brandon's 911 call certainly makes it sound as though there are multiple parties involved. There's the person pushing or pulling cars over. There's the, quote, first guy, which implies there at least a second guy as well. And then there's Brandon himself. It also seems like Brandon may be using the word we several times, but it's hard to tell. Another item of popular speculation is whether the muffled yeah said right before Brandon clearly declares no, I need the cops is another unknown person's voice. It definitely seems as though this is said at a different distance or in a different tone if it is not in fact said by a different voice entirely. Another possibility is that Brandon was not in the right state of mind that night. Some people point out that his outstanding warrant is due to drugs and suggest that he relapsed. However, his family 
including the last person to see him alive, Ledessa, is adamant that Brandon was not under the influence of drugs or alcohol that night. They do not believe he would have had enough time to ingest drugs or alcohol and still make it as far along the route as he did. Even if Brandon had been under the influence of something, there is still no explanation as to why he was not sighted by people in that area on the night of August 8th, or why his body has not been found after the passing of several years. Initially, there were rumors that Brandon had abandoned his family and went into hiding because of his outstanding warrant, and possibly ran away with a new girlfriend. However, this seems extremely unlikely as he had taken steps to handle the outstanding warrant and was actively saving money to pay an attorney to represent him on the matter. Also, logistically, if one were to stage their disappearance in order to go into hiding, why not disappear with the truck? It doesn't seem reasonable to leave your only method of transportation behind. Why stage an elaborate production complete with calls to his brother, a 911 call requesting police help, and the abandonment of his own vehicle. So what are your theories? What do you hear on the 911 call? Join us on our Facebook page where we will feature photos of Brandon Lawson's clothing, his truck, his cell phone, and his missing person posters. Let us know what you hear and what you think happened. If you do have any information regarding this case, you are asked to call law enforcement immediately. And now, let me tell you about this episode's sponsor. Sunshine, daisies, buttermellow, turn this stupid fat rat yellow. This episode is brought to you by The Sorting Chat. The Sorting Chat is a newish podcast wherein three women talk via Google Hangout each month to talk minutiae related to Harry Potter, a series of books for children. They drink and laugh at each other with occasional guest stars. Like any true lovers, they take J.K. Rowling's source material too seriously and make fun of it relentlessly at whim. The podcast drops the first Thursday of each month and sometimes more. Visit www.thesortingchat.com for more details and to catch up on episodes. Now, back to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. In 2016, NBC5 featured the Brandon Lawson story. Brandon Lawson is a father of four who vanished from a Texas freeway just moments after calling 911. Three years later, his family says they are no closer to getting answers. In tonight's cold case, NBC5's Ashley Berry has the story of finding Brandon. They asked me, why is my dad not at my birthday party? Why is my dad not here for Thanksgiving? Why is my dad not going to be here for Christmas? As she chokes back tears, Ladessa Lofton struggles to answer those questions her four children have been asking for years. My son asked Hannah that he wants his dad for Christmas. Nolan is five now. He was just 18 months in 2013 when his daddy, Brandon Lawson, vanished along a desolate San Angelo highway. A Facebook page titled Help Find Brandon Lawson has more than 12,000 likes. 
but has generated few answers. Somebody out there has to know something. People just don't disappear on the face of Earth. It just doesn't happen. The last trace of Brandon was a call to 911. At times, it's hard to understand, but Ledessa says there's no questioning the fear and confusion in his voice. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The tape we're just pushing guys over. Right here, multiple guys went on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one part here. You gotta take it. Deputies found his truck along Highway 277, but he hasn't been seen or heard from since. There's nowhere to go out there. Pitch dark, one o'clock in the morning. His cell phone battery died, so he had no flashlight. It's rocky cactus terrain around there where he was. I mean, if he'd have fell down or something, would have found him in a search. The disappearance has left everyone involved puzzled and desperate for answers. Ledessa wants her son to have his Christmas wish. I promised myself that I would find him. That's what I haven't. Brandon's father, too, wants closure. Was nobody showed me Brandon. Nobody's told me, hey, here's your son. If they would, I'd go get Brandon and I'll bring him home. You know? I'll put him where he belongs, with his family. But until that day, I'm not giving up hope. Ashley Berry, NBC5. The Texas Rangers tell us the investigation remains open and active. They encourage anyone with information to call them. A $1,000 reward is offered. Sitting around a campfire late at night, beer in hand, telling tales of Slenderman, Bigfoot, and the Wendigo, or listening to your favorite podcast about these legends. What better way to get a quick snack fix that is not only healthy, but low in sodium and fat, and one that gives you an energy boost in case something creeps out of the wood and you need to make a quick getaway. Today's podcast is brought to you by Jurassic Jerky. With over 25 gourmet flavors of tender, flavorful jerky, Jurassic Jerky is not only preservative-free, it is MSG-free, low in sodium and fat. Jurassic Jerky gives you traditional flavors, along with creations like Orange Teriyaki, Whiskey Straight, Draft Beer, and Applewood Smoke Style Bacon Jerky. Yes, Bacon Jerky. If you enjoy this podcast, order online at www.jurassicjerkyllc.com and enter promo code WORLD10, all in caps, for 10% off your order free shipping over $30, and a free floss or toothpick in each package to ensure clean teeth. Not only that, each purchase you make, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to charities that support wounded combat veterans. Again, that is www.jurassicjerkyllc.com and enter promo code WORLD10 to get our special offer. 
Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Madia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler.